0: Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, obviously, you can see for me here, it's not Wednesday night. It's actually uh, Wednesday morning. Um, I'm traveling overseas, uh, attending to some personal business. And um, while I'm away, I thought rather than lose momentum, I'll just go ahead and uh, pre record these studies. And then, God willing, when I get back towards the end of the month, uh, Pastor Murray and I will be together with you live and we'll do some uh, Q&A with you uh, with a live session. And then on uh, back to uh, the Book of Psalms. We finished uh, up to Book Three of uh, the Book of Psalms. We're now taking uh, an intermission from Psalms. And what I want to do is uh, finish with uh, the prison epistles. Uh, The prison epistles are four epistles that were written by the Apostle Paul. That is um, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians. And so God willing, what we'll do over the next couple of weeks here, we'll cover Philemon tonight, and then God willing, we'll cover the book of Colossians next. Then we'll come back to book four of the Psalms. Again, we'll take our intermission. And what I'd like to do in the next intermission is return to the book of Isaiah. You'll remember that we did second Isaiah, beginning in chapter 40 uh, to 66, which is really the New Testament Isaiah. Um, We skipped over, 1st Isaiah, which is 1 to 39, which is some call Old Testament Isaiah. So we'll return to that, God willing, and then conclude this whole series with uh, Psalm, uh, Book 5 of the Psalms. So let's go ahead and we'll open with a word of prayer and then we'll get into tonight's study. Heavenly Father, our great God Almighty, we come before you. We live in tumultuous times, Lord, uh, yet we are honored to be alive at this time. We are honored to carry uh, the banner for Jesus Christ in this very evil world. And we know, Father, that that will come with a lot of hatred and a lot of persecution. Uh, We have signed up for this, Father, we're your servants. And we just pray, God, that we can do exploits in your name, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and that we can honor your name, Father. We praise you, we glorify your name, We ask this uh, intervention on our study tonight, this blessing on our study tonight, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are going to study the book of Philemon. It's a very short book. Uh, It's uh, one chapter, but as I mentioned, it's part of the prison epistles. These are epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote while he was imprisoned. And you'll see here as we begin in um, Philemon uh, chapter 1, you'll see that... (coughs) scriptures up here you'll see that um, he identifies himself as a prisoner uh, but not a prisoner of Rome he says Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ so he acknowledges that he is in prison but he's in prison by the will of the Lord and he's accepting the will of the Lord and this is a very interesting way that he opens uh, the letter to Philemon because um, if you look at Colossians 1 1 which is the very next verse here, we see Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy our brother. So it's Paul and Timothy writing the letter together, Um, but Paul identifies himself with the Colossians, which we'll study God willing next week. He identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Here when he's writing to Philemon, it's again Paul and Timothy, but he identifies himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And I think there are two reasons for this. Number one is this is a, a personal appeal to Philemon. There's a situation that Philemon is in that Paul is making a very personal appeal to him to address the situation. And we'll see that as this letter unfolds. And I I don't think uh, Paul is trying not to exert any sort of authority here. He's appealing to Philemon. He's requesting Philemon to make this decision. Secondly, I think he's demonstrating to Philemon that we don't always get our own way, that you know, obviously Paul's will would be to be free, but the Lord's will is that Paul be imprisoned. And then he wrote these four epistles from prison, and he was able to convert the, you know, the, the Roman guard from prison, and he was able to do many things from prison, including converting Onesimus. So he acknowledges that he, he's not having his own way. And I think he's demonstrating by example to Philemon, we don't always get our own way, we're seeking the will of the Lord. So he identifies himself as Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. They love this man. Uh, Philemon is highly regarded. He's well-loved, and he's acknowledged as a fellow laborer, that this Christian walk, I think sometimes we get confused, the the influence of the uh, traditional Christian world, Sometimes we get confused and we think that Christianity is about going to services. Instead of we don't go on Sunday, we go on Sabbath, so we attend services on Sabbath. We sing a few hymns, we listen to the preacher, uh, and then we go home and then we get back to our lives. Uh, And we think that that's Christianity. Christianity is about labor. And Paul acknowledges Philemon as a fellow laborer. We are co-workers together in this calling. And and that's how we should see ourselves as Christians, that we are working together, we are co-workers, we are contributors to advancing this great work of God. So we see the contrast between um, how Paul opens this letter to Philemon versus how he opens the letter to Colossians and Philippians and, and, and Ephesians and others where he's an apostle of Christ. Here he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If we look at how he opens to Philippians, again, it's Paul and his assistant Timothy, uh, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. So here they acknowledge themselves to be slaves of Jesus Christ to the Philippians. But here this letter is to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons and we've studied the book of uh, philippians it's in the archives but we identified at that time uh, to take note that the bishops and the deacons were included with the rest of the brethren in philippi and the letter was to everybody and that bishops is plural that in philippi there's not just one elder over everybody there's plurality of eldership on to say grace be unto you and peace and we're going to see this in the letter to philemon as well there's this uh blessing of grace and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So both from the Father and Jesus Christ. Notice the Holy Spirit is not mentioned as a third person. And then he says this, and can be very similar when we look at uh, Philemon. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. And the, the you here when we studied Philippians, it's plural. It's the whole congregation. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. So, so Paul is praying for the Philippian congregation, and, and he's, he's doing it with joy. There's no burden on his heart, unlike when you look at his relationship, his contentious relationship with the Corinthian brethren. Here, with the Philippians, he has great joy in ministering to this congregation. And he makes requests for them. He's, he's praying for something for them, and he's praying for their fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And then he's confident of this thing and we're gonna see a similar parallel structure in Philemon. He's confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So he opens uh, Philippians, wishing upon them grace and peace, this blessing of grace and peace, grace being sort of the the traditional Greek greeting, and peace in the Greek irene, but in the Hebrew shalom, this peace of God, this, this grace, well, this, this blessing of forgiveness from God, and then shalom, the peace that comes with that uh, upon the congregation. And he's confident that over time, that what God has begun in this congregation, he's going to complete. Now Paul is opening Philippians, and again it's in the archive, knowing that there is a problem brewing in the congregation, which they have to address. But he's confident that they will in fact do that we're going to see a parallel uh, structure as we uncover the book of philemon so back to philemon verse 2. now what's interesting and what kind of shocked me when i was reading this a couple of things stood out to me one was i always just assumed that i hadn't read the letter for a while and maybe that's the case with you as well i hadn't read philemon for a while and i just always assumed that the apostle paul was writing to Philemon. As I started to look at the letter more carefully, I see it's Paul and Timothy writing to Philemon, but not just to Philemon. They're actually writing to the whole congregation. The issue is with Philemon. The, the issue and the request is, the issue is with Philemon and the request is to Philemon. But the letter is to the whole congregation. And I was actually very sensitive to this because we just received a letter uh, from one of our brothers out east. Uh, Brother Morley, thank you so much for your letter. And, and because I was studying Philemon, when I was reading his letter, a very encouraging letter, which we appreciate, and uh, it was to uh, myself and Pastor Murray um, and Deacon Jan, and, and to the whole congregation, to the Brethren in Burlington. And so I'm reading this and I'm thinking, wait a minute, this letter is not just to us, it's to our whole congregation. And, and there, so I shared it with our congregation. And I think that as you read the New Testament, uh, you see within the New Testament There are many, many points where Paul is very public. In fact, Christ is very public. And I think sometimes we try to be overly cautious and overly confidential. We we do have to be confidential, but there are times when things must be exposed. There are times when we must be very transparent with our congregations, uh, both good and bad. And we need to follow the example that's laid down for us in scripture so here this letter which involves a very personal matter between philemon and onesimus that even though it's a personal matter between the two it has broader implications it has implications that will affect the whole congregation and maybe even broader than that and so even though it's a personal matter between two people paul writes to the whole congregation and exposes what is going on to the whole congregation and in a way it puts some subtle pressure or maybe not so subtle pressure upon Philemon to do the right thing. So it's uh, verse two. It's to Philemon and to our beloved Aphia. And uh, many believe that Aphia is Philemon's wife. So it's to Philemon and it seems appropriate or, or reasonable that it's to his wife as well and to our beloved Aphia. And Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. And you'll see in Colossians 4, verse 17, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you fulfill it. So, so what we see here in terms of who the letter is to, it's to Philemon, who seems to be a man of some means, he seems to be a fairly wealthy individual. Uh, he's also the master of Onesimus. And this is the uh, issue is between Philemon and Onesimus. Uh, it seems like it's uh, to his wife as well, because the church meets in Philemon's house. So it seems like he has enough means that he can actually host the whole congregation. But then Archippus seems to be the, 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 the elder that is uh, ministering to this household. So we have the elder, Archippus, we've got Aphia and Philemon being the hosts, people with some wealth, being the host of the congregation. And then the congregation meeting in their home and the letter being to all of these people verse three now in verse three and we covered this in philippians the being sensitive to the pronouns so this is the you know, second person plural grace to you you know in, in in texas maybe they'll say grace to y'all right this is grace to you plural so after naming who the letter is to it's these multiple people really, let's just say, the church that meets in Philemon's home, Uh, then he's offering grace to the whole church and peace. So that traditional greeting of grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And we saw that in Colossians as well. In fact, in most of his letters, he opens that way. Then, again, following what we saw in Philippians here in Philemon, but there's a twist. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. So the same way that he thanked God for the Philippians and was making requests to God for the Philippians, we're seeing the same pattern here except in Philemon 3 you is plural and then in Philemon 4 Paul focuses his attention now on the singular, on Philemon himself. So I thank my God making mention of you, Philemon, always in my prayers. Hearing of your love, again singular, second person singular, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. And there's a bit of a chiistic structure here where we have love, faith, the Lord Jesus and the saints. So the love and the faith, and then the faith is to Jesus, and then the love is to the saints so love and saints go together and faith in jesus goes to, together he doesn't have faith toward all the saints he has faith toward jesus and love toward all the saints and this is the the new the, the way he's so hospitable he's hosting the church in his house he's looking after the brethren he's he's truly a fellow laborer and paul hears of all of his work and i should mention as well i should have said this that the philemon his home is in the city of Colossae. And so when we study Colossians next week, that's the congregation that Philemon belongs to. And his household is there, and Onesimus was his slave there. Onesimus served him there. And when we say slave, most of us when we hear the word slave, uh, immediately we conjure up images of the Atlantic slave trade. And, and uh, what happened in North America, what happened in the UK, uh, the way that the Africans were enslaved, that this brutal, brutal system uh, of enslavement, that, that's not what we're talking about here. Really, uh, what we many, many of us don't understand, number one, uh, what we don't conjure up images of is the Arabic slave trade, which was far worse. It was, which was devastating that we don't have black families in Arabia because all of the men were castrated immediately when they, went into the, uh, when, they, when they crossed the desert and went into Arabia as slaves. And they were brutalized. It was a far bigger, far more intense, far more brutal slave system, but it's quiet. Nobody talks about it. Uh, the Muslims get a pass. Nobody dare criticize them. And all it is is all about the American slave trade, the American slave trade, even though it was America and the UK that ended slavery. That, that to great cost and, 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 and uh, personal sacrifice and loss of life, they went around the world and ended slavery. And in the 1960s, even forced Saudi Arabia to formally abolish slavery, although uh, slavery continues in the Middle East to this day. And, and the, the enslavement and the auctioning of, of Africans continues in the Middle East to this day. So that's not what we're talking about here when we say uh, Onesimus was the slave of Philemon or Philemon was the master of Onesimus. Uh, this was the economy. Globally, the whole economy, this is the way the economy functioned. If We were born in this time, it would be out of our it would be impossible for us to imagine any other system. This is just the way it was done. And uh, some people voluntarily went into slavery. Uh, maybe they were in debt and they just said, "Okay, I, I will go into s- slavery. I'll go into I'll become a slave uh, to pay off my debt." And that's just the way it works. There are things that we do today. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, we, we put on our pants and shirt and do, a, uh, do our shoes and, and we just do things and we take them for granted. Uh, and we can't imagine it any other way. And yet in the future, people are gonna look back to this time and say, why did people do this? Why did they behave this way? It's just the way things are done right now. And we, can, we, we don't even think about it. So that's what we have to be sensitive though. When when the Bible is talking about slavery, and, and Paul is going to send Onesimus back into his uh, slave master relationship with Philemon, don't think of either the Atlantic or the Arabic slave trade. Just try to imagine uh, an employer and an employee. Think of it more that way. So Philemon has great faith toward Jesus and great love toward all the saints. Now, verse 5 is parenthetical. So we read verse five, let's go back to verse four and then skip the parenthesis. So the parenthesis just tells us that Philemon has um, great love toward Jesus, sorry, great love toward the saints and great faith toward the the Lord. And that faith to the, the Lord is actually expressed in the great love that he has to the saints. And Paul has heard of all of this, most likely from Onesimus himself. So let's go to verse four, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers so paul is constantly praying for philemon what is he praying for i thank my god making mention of you always in my prayers that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in christ jesus this sounds a lot like what he said to the philippians that he's making mention of them always in in, in his prayers, uh, that he that has begun a good work in them will complete it, that he has every confidence that that's gonna happen. Now, the word communication here is koinonia in the Greek, which is better translated fellowship, that the fellowship of your faith may become effectual. So he has this great love towards the saints, which is born from his faith in Christ. Now, that faith, and the fellowship that comes from it, Paul is always thinking of Philemon and constantly praying for him that the koinonia of his faith may become effectual. So, so it may emerge to, to greater effect by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So, so there's something that the Holy Spirit puts in us We don't fully understand it, and it isn't fully mature. And while we're in this walk, the various trials we go through and situations we find ourselves in, this thing that's in us via the Holy Spirit, it matures, it grows stronger, it emerges to great effect. And so Paul sees something in Philemon that is only possible by the Holy Spirit. And it's demonstrated by the great um, love that he has toward all the saints. This, this faith that he has in Christ is demonstrated by this great love. And Paul is looking at all of this, which we would look at and think, this is phenomenal. Paul is looking at all of this and saying, this is just the beginning. I'm, I'm praying that now that I see this in you, I'm praying that the full maturity of Christ may emerge in you so that you can really do the work of God, that the koinonia of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So there's a power in Philemon that is only possible through Jesus Christ. And in all of us, especially in this time, we need to acknowledge this power, that there's a lot of reason for us to hate each other. There's a lot of reason for us to hate if we follow the media, the Marxist media that wants to just really overtake our thinking and and persuade us to be haters. Uh, There's a lot of reasons for us to invite division in the church, but this is immature. The mature Christian does not dredge up the past, even going beyond before we were even born, and and blaming people for things that they have nothing to do with uh, in order to conjure up this hatred and live out this hatred and despising. Uh, This is the devil's work and that does not that that's not what the holy spirit enables the holy spirit does not enable us to hate holy spirit enables us to love and that's the test for philemon here and i think this 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 is a very personal letter and yet it's part of the canon it's a very personal letter and yet paul is writing it to the whole congregation because paul is saying look philemon if you don't get this right if you cannot mature in christ your conduct can have a devastating effect on the whole congregation. Again, very similar to what we saw in Philippians, which is in the archive, was the first study we did when we began this series years ago. Um, this this uh, contention between uh, Sintiki and Yodia in the congregation at Philippi, a very personal um, conflict. And Paul writes about it to the whole congregation to say, this needs to be addressed. Because if this goes unchecked, it could have very disruptive effect on the whole congregation. And so all of us have to see that this letter to Philemon, although it's very, a very personal situation, may it help us to reflect on our own situations. And are we, as much as possible, living peaceably with all men, especially brethren? Especially brethren. We cannot allow contention in the church, especially not now you know I, I wake up here in the UK on um, in an undisclosed location in the UK uh, here on Wednesday morning um, and see where the state of affairs are in the. US election and this is this is going to be a, a period of tense turmoil blood will be spilled. Uh, it's, I can't see any, other, any I can't see this happening any other way these people are serious power is a very serious thing. And, and people uh, will do anything if they've given themselves over to power. And so, uh, very contentious situation. We need to be careful not to get swept up in this, in this, uh, this zeitgeist of the age, which is a, an age of hatred, a period of hatred. We need to be very careful not to get caught up in this and especially, especially be sure we are not siding with non-believers against believers we can't do this and let us learn from Philemon that he has to acknowledge this this gift of the Spirit that's in him that's going to enable him to mature and grow beyond whatever happened in the past verse 7 for we have great joy and consolation in your love so again this great love that you have for the brethren which is demonstrating your faith in Jesus Christ this is bringing us great joy and comfort because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Again, this is, you know, up to verse three, we were talking, or even verse four, we were talking to the whole church. Uh, then, I think it was beginning in verse four, yes, verse four, uh, the, the letter now pivots, and it's now Paul speaking directly and specifically to Philemon, acknowledging uh, this great faith that he has in Christ, and acknowledging how this faith is demonstrated in his love for all the brethren. But then praying that what he sees is this is just early stage Christianity. Praying now that he can actually mature into to the full full stature of Christ by acknowledging this thing that's in him that's going to enable him to do this. But what he's seen, what Paul has seen, gives Timothy and Paul great joy and comfort in this love that he has to the saints. Because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Meaning that the, the deepest feelings of the saints are, are, are being comforted. So if brethren are under persecution, or they're going without, or they're, they're impoverished, or whatever pain they're, they're, in, they're experiencing, when they come to Philemon uh, and Athia, they're looked after. And, and, and they're able to, to have such comfort at the depth of their emotion from Philemon. and. Paul is just like this. For Paul and Timothy, this is amazing. This brings them great joy. Because of this, because of this evidence of Philemon's faith and great love for the brethren. Therefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to command you that which is appropriate, that which is proper, I I could do this. So uh, this is a real easy matter for me to solve. I'll just tell you what to do, and you do it. But because of this evidence that I see of your great faith in Christ and your great love for the brethren, even though I could command you to do what's right, yet, for love's sake, I rather beg you. So this great faith you have in Christ, demonstrated by the great love you're showing to the brethren, when I look at that great love, which is evidence of your deep faith, I'm not going to command you. For the sake of that agape love that I see emerging in you, I'd rather beg you than command you." And again, that's why he opened up, saying he was a prisoner, not an apostle, Uh, being such a one as Paul the Aged, Paul the Aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So this is a man that is in his final years, an, an elderly man, and the experience that he has in this walk and the evidence he sees of this great love that Philemon has for the brethren, the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in Philemon, he'd rather get get down on his knees and beg Philemon to do what's right rather than command him to do what's right. And he again reinforces that he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that he's unable to move around freely, he can't just have his way. He's accepted his, his lot according to the will of Christ. And by example, he's hoping that Philemon will grow into this level of maturity. Now, he says for love's sake, for the sake of agape, he'd rather beg. In other words, for the sake of the development and the maturing of agape love in the congregation, he sees it a wiser move. The apostle is looking at the situation and believes it's a wiser move to beg Philemon to do what's right, rather than to command him. Now again, Philemon, uh, we, we need to read, read it with an end time view. Why did this book get canonized? Why is this letter uh, something that we should read in the end time? Well, in Matthew 24 and verse 10, Jesus Christ says, and then at this time, just ahead of us, or maybe we're in the time now, just emerging now, this, this uh, beginning of sorrows and then shall many be offended. In other words, not a few, many shall be offended. Even though Christ in John uh, 14, 15, 16, warns us ahead of time so that we will not be offended. He says still, many will be offended, many, and shall betray one another. They, They are going to put something ahead of Christ. They're going to have another agenda that is far more important to them, that they get far more riled up about than Christ, shall betray one another and shall hate one another. So we're ready for this, we accept this. We, we cannot uh, reverse prophecy. This is the prophetic word of God, we accept it. But we don't have to be this. <laughs> for love's sake, we, we can take these trials that we have and for agape's sake, we can do the right thing. And we can grow in agape in the very time that Christ says agape will fail in some, in most, I should say. He says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. It's because of false teaching. It's because of false ideas getting into the brethren's heads that iniquity shall abound. They will do the bidding of these false teachers. Instead of people who are standing up and speaking against iniquity, reminding brethren of their obligations to each other, reminding brethren of the the instructions in Torah, we, we, reminding brethren of the harsh prophetic word from Jesus Christ and from, 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 from uh, all of his servants. No, we see that they, the brethren don't like that. The brethren want smooth things. So we back up, we put it in reverse, we slow down and we give them smooth things and we have become false teachers. And then because it's all smooth and it's all just yeah jesus loves everything and jesus tolerates everything and do as you like it's all good iniquity abounds and the agape not just the regular human love the divine agape of many shall wax cold so what we're seeing if we we, you know link this to philemon and paul's wisdom to say Philemon, there's something you need to do here. You need to exercise a, a muscle, a spiritual muscle, in order for you to mature and your part in the koinonia become effective. We need to look at this and say, wow, this is how we grow in agape, that we find ourselves in these situations which humanly, we can justify. Humanly, we can say we have a right to be angry. Humanly, we can say we have a right to protest. Humanly, we say, we have a right to hold a grudge. Okay, that's, that's the human condition. But Paul was praying constantly for Philemon, that he would acknowledge that thing that is in him, that would enable him to grow up in Christ. And for agape's sake, rather than command him to do it, he pleaded with him to do it. So we need to exercise and find these situations where for agape's sake, we can exercise The right course of action to develop our agape rather than allow the agape to wax cold which is the prophetic curse upon the covenant people back to philemon 10. so now we're deep into the letter and we finally find out what it's about so verse 10 we finally see what is this about i'm begging you so i don't i could have commanded you but i'm not I'm begging you I beseech you for my son Onesimus whom I have begotten in my bonds so this again we see the power of Paul's acceptance of his imprisonment and just how fruitful he was in this imprisonment they they meant it for him for evil God meant it for him for good and so now he's pleading for Onesimus Onesimus comes from Colossae he somehow find him found, found himself to be with Paul. While he was with Paul, he heard the gospel. So when he was with Philemon in Philemon's home, he was not a Christian. Philemon was a Christian. The church met in his home. Uh, Archippus was uh, clearly a minister there. Uh, But Onesimus was just a servant, and he did not convert with the household. So he did something. We don't know what exactly but it's something that caused Philemon to suffer loss. He did something, and it looks like he maybe perhaps stole something from Philemon uh, and then fled. And then he found himself with Paul and listened to the gospel from Paul and accepted it and was baptized by Paul or by somebody in Paul's uh, community and had the laying on of hands and receive the Holy Spirit and so Paul considers him his son in this calling because he had begotten it he is the one that had caused the Holy Spirit to be imparted uh, and, and embedded in Onesimus so he sees Onesimus as a son so maybe put this in a modern context if we maybe were to put this in a modern context it would be like you are um let's say you're an American and you're a retailer and you have your shop and you have your employees. And there's one Onesimus, by the way, uh, the name means useful. So there's an employee that you have called useful. Um, and meanwhile, what you didn't realize is that the whole time he's been stealing from you or she's been stealing from you. And not only that, uh, maybe this, you get, you call, you're, part, you're part of an urban area where there's rioting. And you're watching the news and you see your shop being rioted and on the news you actually see your employee called useful being one of the rioters one of the looters going into your shop and and breaking in so trying off against police officers chanting for justice but on the periphery opportunism so what we've been seeing for the past A couple of hours here is this standoff and uh, skirmish between police and these protesters. what you're seeing right now is police squeezing the protesters. They have actually surrounded us. Uh, They're coming in from all angles, they're trying to put this out. we have seen a significant amount of looting. With demonstrators and riot police facing off in the center of town, looters struck. This auto parts center nearly picked clean. Another store looted, people going in, people coming out with arms full of goods and police nowhere in sight. Looters scampering down the street with arms full, a countywide daytime curfew seemingly ignored. As darkness fell, police arriving, lining up and zip-tying suspected looters and So try to push yourself, maybe you're O'Reilly and you have this retail auto parts shop and, and you're watching the news and you see your own employee on the news and then maybe they run off and you have suffered great loss. And uh, yes, you can claim insurance, but there's a, um, I forget what they call that first part that you have to pay, uh, a deductible. So there's a deductible, maybe it's significant, uh, and you have to dip into your savings to cover the deductible. And then you know the insurance, maybe they cancel you, they don't want to cover you anymore. Or maybe they say they, 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 they don't cover rioting uh, and looting, you're on your own, and all your life savings went into this. So you've suffered significant loss, and you, your, your employee runs off. And then you get a letter from a minister in the church saying you need to, to re-employ useful, which you, you, you call him useless. He was a, no, harmful, not useful, harmful. Uh, and now you're being asked to take him back. So maybe put yourself in that, in that mindset. And this is now the situation that Philemon is in where this person who harmed him and ran off Paul is now writing to him and begging him, saying that Onesimus has been converted. Onesimus is now a Christian. And, and maybe you're suspicious about that, but Paul is interceding for Onesimus. And I think Paul would be very sensitive to the need for intercession, because he himself needed it. You remember when we studied the book of Acts, which is also in the archive, Acts 9.27, how Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas interceded for the Apostle Paul. And that's how Paul's ministry began and his acceptance uh, among the Christian community began when he had such a horrible track record. And so he would be very much sensitive to the need for intercession. Here in Philippians, Philemon 11 then, he um, goes back and, let me get my scriptures up. In, in Philemon, he goes back uh, to this, this need for uh, Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And he says, yes, it, which in time past was to you unprofitable. So Onesimus means useful. And he says, yes, in the past he was useless. But now he's profitable to me. Now he's useful to me. Now that he's converted, now that he has the Holy Spirit, he, he has been extremely profitable to me and to you. You don't realize it yet, but you are receiving spiritual blessings as a result of the work that Onesimus is now doing. Whom I have sent again, so it appears that Onesimus himself is the courier. So Paul writes this letter, gives it to Onesimus, says to Onesimus, you need to go back to your master. He he, he is rightfully, he's your master. You need to go back to him. That's the situation. You're his slave you need to go back to him. And again, when we say his slave, don't think of the Atlantic or the Arabic slave trade. Just think of the economic system uh, within the Roman Empire, within the whole world at the time, and which has been throughout most of most of man's history. Um, whom I have sent again, so so I've sent him back to you. And so Onesimus has the letter, he's giving this letter to Philemon, but the letter is to the whole church. And so there Onesimus is with Philemon, Paul, Paul having sent him, whom I have sent again, you therefore receive him, receive him. That is my own bowels, that the depth of love that I have for this man, I, I cannot express to you how much I love Onesimus and how helpful he has been in this ministry. And I'm sending him back to you, receive him as someone who has the depth of my affection whom i would have retained with me so i i I did not want to send him back if i had my own way i would keep him here with me whom i would have retained with me that in place of you he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel so i'm being imprisoned because of preaching the gospel onesimus has been an extreme blessing to me like i can't believe it He's, he's been a gift from heaven literally I just this man came he was converted I you know prayed over him to receive the Holy Spirit he received the Holy Spirit and it was like catching fire and he has been incredible he's been incredibly useful to me and this has been a blessing to you because he's your servant and I've been praying these blessings upon you and I don't want to see him go and so it, 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 it breaks my heart it's like somebody tearing him from my heart to send him to you so I want you to receive him as someone that I have incredible depth of affection for who I wanted to keep with me that he might minister to me because you're, you're unable to minister to me here in my imprisonment but without your mind or without your consent would I do nothing so it, it kind of you know it was on my mind to just be so useful to me he's so helpful I, I wanted to keep him but unless I have your consent I'm not going to do that so without your consent would I do nothing that your benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. So if I were to keep him here and write to you and to say, Onesimus is converted, I know that you guys had some situation in the past. I- I'm just gonna keep him. He's so useful to me, I'm just gonna keep him here. Then you know he knows Philemon's not gonna say, no, you send him back right away. Uh Philemon would say okay. But then that would be of necessity. He would have no choice in the matter. So what Paul is doing is sending Onesimus back to Philemon and then saying it's up to you 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 do whatever you think is best for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that you should receive him forever so whatever situation you guys had in the past and yes it was unpleasant and and yes you suffered loss but maybe the reason for all of that was so that he would come to me hear the gospel be converted and now be part of this koinonia forever for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that you should receive him forever not now as a servant or a slave but above a servant a brother so uh, let me just finish the verse not now as a servant but above a, but above a servant a brother beloved especially to me but how much more unto you both in the flesh and in the lord so this is interesting this verse uh it seems between the lines if you read between the lines It seems that the apostle is asking Philemon to set the slave free. Set him free, make him a freeman, so that you can receive him as more than a slave in the flesh, but regardless of the situation in the flesh, he's more than a slave in the Lord. Receive him as a brother in the Lord. Receive him as part of the koinonia. Receive him as if you would receive me not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. And this again, this verse 16, again, you know, to go over this uh, Black Lives Matter curse and plague and cancer that is covering the Western world, which is so hypocritical and and deceptive, uh, which is now creeping into the church of God. You know, from verse 16, you see how clearly we can't allow human matters to infiltrate the spiritual relationship. That even though this man might be a slave, in the human world, in the, fle- in the world of the flesh, in the world of the spirit, he is a beloved brother. And who knows, maybe he would even be raised to uh, the, the, the role of a minister. And that in Philemon's own home, alongside Archippus, Onesimus, even though he's a slave of Philemon, he might be an elder in Colossae. That might be Paul's intention, that this man is so, he really gets it, and he's so spiritually gifted and endowed that I I will uh, ensure that he is raised to the the eldership to minister with Archippus. And so even though he's a slave in the flesh, he's an elder in the spirit. And we, this is how we have to see things and how we have to see brethren. We can't be that we're looking at brethren and looking at the color of their skin, looking at brethren and holding them accountable for things that they had nothing to do with. Uh, this, this is the cancer of Marxism. And we, can't be in, we have to be inoculated from this. And verse 16 shows how on the human level, he's a slave. But let's remove the flesh and think of on the spiritual level and receive him above a servant, a brother beloved. That's who he is. That's Paul says, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? How, so he went from being the name useful to being useless, and Paul is saying, no, he's really, really useful now. If you count me, therefore, a partner, receive him as myself. If you see me as part of the koinonia, if you count me as part of the Christian fellowship, then receive Onesimus the way you'd receive me. Which makes sense. If he's part of the fellowship, he's part of the body. Uh, When Paul wrote to the Romans in 12.4, he said, For as we have many members in one body, it's one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So if you count me a member of the body, and you would, the way that you would receive me as a member of the body, we are members of the same body, you need to receive Onesimus the exact same way. Maybe he's even gifted the same way as Paul. So whatever part of the body Paul functions in, whatever member of the body he is, that Onesimus is the same part of that body, the same type of member. So receive him the way you'd receive me. And in first, when he wrote to Corinthians or Corinth, around the whole Passover and agape meal situation. He says, for he that eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And this is now the test for Philemon. Can you discern the Lord's body? Can you see a difference between the flesh and the spirit? Can you see Onesimus in the spirit and discern that he's part of the Lord's body and the same part of the body perhaps as I am? Back to Philemon. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, when I when I read um, when I read the next couple of verses, I actually laughed out loud. I actually burst into laughter. I, just the craft of this letter, he says. If he has wronged you, so again, put yourself in the situation where you're you're a retailer. You've worked hard to build up your shop. You've been really good to everybody. You've been really good to a, to, to me as maybe your employee, and and meanwhile, I've been pilfering your goods, and uh, when I have an opportunity now to loot your shop. Uh, with friends and family, Uh, you see me on the news looting your shop, and then I run off. And I have cost you a great deal. And now I'm converted. I repent of all of that. Uh, You hear from an elder. Uh, Maybe Pastor Murray is now writing to you to say how useful I've been in the ministry uh, or to his ministry to support his ministry. And uh, because Pastor Murray knows that I'm actually your employee, he's uh, sending me back to you. And then he says, "This, if he has wronged you, which he has, or owes you anything, put that on my account." It's almost like the, uh, the uh, what do you call that? The, the senior moment I'm having here. The uh, I can't I can't remember it. The Jesus Christ in in the Gospels there when the person is. Uh, Next to dead, and everybody's passing by and, and not paying any attention. And one man stops, and looks after him, and and he, you know, just binds up his wounds and everything, and gets accommodation for him, and says, you know, if he's if he's done if he owes anything else, here's some money to look after him. If anything else is owed, put it on my account. I'll look after it. Uh, and so Paul is saying the same thing: if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. This is the part, this is the verse that made me laugh out loud. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. So you put it on my account, whatever it is, just let me know the amount and I'll pay you. I'll pay you what he owes. Albeit, I do not say to you how you owe unto me even your own self besides. So when I read this, I just laughed. just like, wow, Paul is amazing with his, 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 his language. So this man has harmed you. He's somehow set you back. Uh, take him back. And if there's anything that he owes you, I'm going to pay it. I'm, I'm writing this with my own hand. I'll pay you what he owes. Now, bear in mind, you owe me even your own life. So you think about what you're going to ask me to pay you back when you actually owe me your own self. Yes brother, let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. So p- let me see this spiritual growth. Let me see your let me see your development as a true Christian. You've been operating really well, but that's sort of been in um, pleasant conditions in fair conditions. How will you operate in a storm? Let me see the depth of your conversion now. Yes, brother. And again, brother, he's a beloved brother. Paul loves both these men. Let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Give me this deep joy, even though I'm in prison. uh, Let me hear of this, that I can have deep, deep joy. Having confidence in your obedience, I wrote unto you. So the same way that he had confidence in the Philippian church, that they would do what is right. Uh, Here he has confidence in Philemon that he will do what's right. Having confidence in your obedience, I wrote unto you. So I could have commanded you, but I'm not. I'm begging you instead, but I'm still confident that you're gonna do the right thing. Knowing that you will, will also do more than I say. So I'm confident that even though I'm uh, saying this, I just remember what I was trying to say earlier, the the good Samaritan, that, that the, the story of the good Samaritan, where put it on my account if there's anything else on it um having confidence in your obedience i wrote unto you knowing that you will also do more than i say so this is really really good so if paul really sees the the depth of conversion of this man it's a very difficult situation paul is confident not only he's going to do what he's asking he's going to go beyond then he goes on to say but withal, prepare me also a lodging for i trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. So don't I want you to receive uh, Onesimus back. Prepare a lodging for him. T- take him back in your household. Uh, but prepare for me too. Because I, I believe that through your prayers and the prayers of the brethren, I'm going to be released, that this imprisonment is not unto death for me. I'm going to be released. And when I'm released, I'm going to come and visit you. And I want to see how you get on. And I want to see how you and Onesimus are getting on. And so I think this puts additional pressure on Philemon to do the right thing but withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute you, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. So Epaphras is also there in prison with him. And in Colossae, we see that Epaphras is uh, from Colossae, in Colossians 1, 7. Uh, As you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. So you have another elder here in Colossa. Uh, we'll just finish off Philemon. Uh, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And now we move to the plural, uh, yours. So this is to the whole church again. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So that is the book of uh, Philemon, a wonderful little letter, one, one chapter letter, 25 verses, uh, and yet it packs a punch. And we've gotta ask ourselves, why is it included in the canon if it's such a personal matter? And why should we care about it, those upon whom the ends of the world have come? And I think what we can see very clearly is the significant role of agape in the Christian life and that there's agape expressed in fair conditions but agape is not really developed and matured unless it's exercised in very very difficult circumstances where most humans would fail most mortals would fail and would hate one another here with the power of the holy spirit we can rise above petty human situations and stay in the koinonia and the koinonia, uh, think, of, um, think of a partnership, if you think of a, a legal firm or an accounting firm, where let's say there's 100 uh, partners, and every one of them has equity in the firm. 100, there's 100 lawyers or 100 accountants, but they're all partners, and they all have equity in the firm, and they all care about the outcomes of the firm, because they're owners. That's what this koinonia is like. It's, it's a purposeful fellowship, that we are we are partners together and we have equity in this venture. And, and, and it's in this koinonia that agape must be exercised. It's in this koinonia, With without agape, there is such disruption. So when Christ says, many shall hate one another and shall betray one another in the end time and iniquity shall abound in the end time, That is the destruction of agape. That is the destruction of the koinonia. But there's always a remnant. There's always a faithful remnant. So let's uh, take admonition from the admonition that Paul was giving, the very subtle admonition that Paul was given to Philemon, and let's work together to not just have faith, depth of faith in Jesus Christ and his word, but to have that reflected in our love for all the saints. God bless you brother, Jesus Christ is Lord.